my friends, Pastor Daryl here, and you're tuning in, listening to Walk in Faith, Not in Fear. I want to thank you for tuning in, following along with me again this week. I believe this is like episode 15, uh, I believe. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, what do I know? Well, anyway, I always start with a word of prayer, so if you would. Dear Lord God, again, oh, I give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, and I just thank you, Lord God. Again, I thank you for this opportunity that you give to uh, to me to just maybe share a little bit of your word or a little insight or give some hope or some guidance or some direction. I don't know what your plans are with me, Lord God, but I am willing to be used by you, and I thank you for using me. So I pray today that I can be an effective tool in your arsenal for your kingdom work here on this great, wonderful earth of ours. And I give you all the praise, honor, and glory in the precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Well, my friends, again, I'm in my... My little sanctuary, which I, I call my little sanctuary, it's my office within the church, within the sanctuary of the church, and this is where I come and kind of hang out and do a podcast, got my own little podcast studio set up, if you would, and I rather enjoyed it. It's my uh, little one-on-one time alone with the Lord, away in the house, the dogs, the neighbors, the everything around. I just come in here and lock the church up and shut the doors and close everything off from the outside world, and me and the Lord spend a little time together, and here we are again today. I always record on Mondays following, you know, our Sunday service. And I did a sermon yesterday again. I'll be honest with you, I think I want to piggyback off of it because I wasn't led to do anything different. Uh, <laughs> anybody that comes to church with me knows when we I lay out a sermon or whatever and we start and God, I'm really open to the spirit of God working through the church and we go different directions and Lo and behold, it's always something that somebody had or needed or wanted to discuss, and it opens up avenues, and uh, the church openly, I don't know if you want to say preaches to me or preaches to each other, but we discuss it, and it turns into a uh, a pretty good day. And I, I was really impressed with yesterday. I'm so thankful that not only if, uh, how can I say this, I'm so thankful that I have a body of believers that come together that are open to allow the Spirit of God to work and not be so dictative over the ruling or the or the structure of the service, and it's been a real blessing. Well, anyway, I, I, I want to kind of go on from that. Yesterday, I actually started off doing a sermon, and I, I don't know if you want to entitle it. I, I, I just wrote evidence on the top so I can keep track of what's what in my notes, and uh, I, I, I guess... I guess where I want to go with this is uh, it, there should be evidence in life change. I don't know if you want to call it evidence or uh, spiritual. It's not really, well, yeah, it is spiritual growth. But it's, there should be, I guess what I'm trying to say is there should be evidence of uh, a, a, a different or a new creature in Christ, if you would. See, see I guess, uh, let me just back up. Let me start here. Let's go in the beginning here. See, once you become a Christian, you got to kind of ask yourself, or at least you should, or we think about, what, what are we to do? And if you think about it, should there be, well, any, well, it would, should there be anything different about what we do with our lives? And, and yes, there should be. See, there, we should have a different focus uh, for our lives that, that, that we had before we had the come-in-the-moment Jesus thing, if you would. See, not, now we have to ask, what should we be doing with ourselves with this coming to moment Jesus thing, uh, while we, we retain, uh, re, wait on his return. See, see, uh, uh, the truth of the matter is so many times, and I guess where I was going with this is because I was trying, I beat up our church pretty heavy here uh, uh, about 
don't be worrying so much about the neighbors or what they, what the neighbors think or what their walk is like with Christ. Concentrate on your walk with Christ. And I keep telling them, don't worry about him or her or them or us, neighbors, whatever. Worry about you. And, and there should be an evidence in your life. So you see, we should have these uh, works or good fruits coming from us if we are truly how can, how can I say it? Achieve salvation, saved, if we're truly walking in the will of God, if we truly are born-again believers of Jesus Christ, there should be something in me that, that, that changes pre to post, if you would. I should have a new outlook. There should be a different focus on what I have now before than what I did before Christ. Okay? So now, I guess my question to that is, what are we to do with this while we're waiting on the return of Jesus, if you would? Now, I read out of 1 Thessalonians yesterday, uh, chapter 1, first five verses. Now, I'm going to kind of rehit it today, and I thought maybe we'd just spend a few minutes and talk about it, if you would, or spend a few minutes and listen to me babble about it. That's more like it, huh? Well, anyway, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 5, it says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. The model church and I, the tenses of a Christian life. Now it goes on in, in verse 5 and it says this. It says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and as much assurance as you, what kind of man were you among you for your sake? Now, if if we was to look at the subject matter of our text, it, it gives us this overview of what should be going on with ourselves while, while we're living out our lives, waiting on Jesus to return, if you would. See, our belief and faith in Jesus should have a, pround, a, a, a profound effect on our lives and priorities in, lives, in our lives. You see, I say that because if we are truly born again, if we have truly surrendered to our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, 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 there should be a life change. There should be a difference, okay? Uh, uh, our belief and faith in Jesus should have this profound effect on our lives and on our priorities in our lives. Huh. The truth is, look around this world, people. I don't see it happening so much in our lives. See, see, you got people wondering why they're not winning the loss to Jesus. I mean, think about it. Look at it. Or even worse, we see people that just don't care. See, I, I hope an interest is sparked uh, to you to encourage you to to maybe take a few minutes out and study through all the first Thessalonians, not just chapter one, read the whole book. See, you, you will see how Paul is going to deal with how we are to live our lives. You'll notice that as you study through each chapter, the references it all, every one of them references to the second coming of Jesus Christ. See, if we truly believe in Jesus, then our lives will be impacted by the fact that Jesus is going to return, and it could happen at any time. And once he comes, those whom are lost, understand, when he returns, they're lost, it will be too late. Knowing these things should affect our priorities and our focus here and now for our life. See, 
Many times we do not reach the loss because we, uh-oh, here we go, I'm going to sting somebody. Many times we do not reach the loss because we have not allowed Jesus to work in our lives. We get into this personal comfort zone and, and, and well, we don't want to, we don't want Jesus to pull us away from that, take us out of our box. You know, we don't want to get past that. <clears throat> but just, just in our text today, we see the gospel's effect on, on the Christian, on you and I. Understand, friends, once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I said this yesterday, I'll say it again today. When you accept Jesus Christ, that don't mean you've made it. Your mission's not over. No, my friends, it is just the beginning. Amen? Now, in the city of Thessalonica, it had to look like a a lost cause, if you would. The city was the capital of the Macedonian providence. Uh, It was a a center of trade and commerce in there. It was actually, it was just filled with pagan religions, just all around it. Now, uh, I referred to, I referenced uh, Acts 17 yesterday, how uh, we had an account of Paul starting a church there. This was like 20 years or so after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And then Paul, he, he started a church, but then he had to slip out while the getting was good, to be honest with you. Uh, anyway, I think it's verse 10 to 11. It says, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Burra. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were the noble-minded then, those in Thessalonica, for they have received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. See, Paul... He got where he was going, if you would. He 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 took a he took a minute and he wrote a letter. He was writing this letter to help people to to, to understand that that uh, Jesus's return should have an impact on on how well how it affects our, our lives, their lives. He was writing to them. Okay, let me put it this way: how it should have an effect on their lives. But this is the living word, and it affects us today. So. When I say there, I am saying it should have an impact on their meaning slash our lives also. See, our text today shows us how he must affect our lives if we're going to be effective in spreading the gospel to the world. See, see, truth is, uh, the, the gospel is only going to advance if Christians are sold out to or for Jesus, if you would. See, people will see evidence of your salvation. This is what I want to talk about today, our evidence. People will see evidence of our salvation. See, your lives should be evidence for everyone to see. And it starts with our faith. One of the things the the world sees is your faith. If we're going to spread the gospel, our faith must be marked by labor. You you know, I think it was James. Uh, Bada boom. Let me me jump across here real quick. this is called preparation, my friends. This just hit me. I should have been thinking about this anyway. But in James, it talks about, uh, it talks about, let me find it right here. I'm sorry, guys. It's called preparation. James 2. Here it is, 15 through 7. It says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily bread, and yet one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which they are needed for their body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Amen. You know, and then if I was to skip through, I'll just jump down verse 26 here. It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You, you, you know, just think, 
just think what would happen if none of us had, had just working faith, if you would. Man, what would happen to the church? It would die. What would, what would happen to the lost? They'd stay lost. All aspects of a Christian's life stem from our response of faith. See, a faithful person will show his faith by his activity, by his involvement. If your activity for Jesus is confined only to Sunday mornings, my God, my friends, your faith, if alive at all, is barely hanging on. There is no such thing as a, a, a sort of a Christian. If your faith is not working, your faith is either non-existent or to the point it's so very weak it might as well be non-existent. See, I know so many people that claim to have faith, but they're just not doing anything. They don't go to church. They're not doing any kind of ministry. They're not doing any involvement for the Lord. They're not giving back in any way. They have their own system of religion. See, instead of following and serving and loving Jesus, their religion tells them to place themselves well, not, not to place themselves, to please themselves. So you see, then, then they try later to claim their salvation after a life of serving self. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5, I think verse 17 says, Therefore, if everyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, and the old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Whew. So some of the new things that come are what we do with our lives at that point of salvation, at that point of coming to Jesus, if you would. See, what direction is your life pointed today, my friends? Very important question. I want you to really think about this. What kind of works are you doing? Is it stuff that's outside of self? Is it a selfish or a selfless works? Got to be honest, though. See, the lost, they're not going to come to Jesus just because we open the door in the church on Sunday morning. To be, <laughs> to be real about it, winning the lost takes a lot of labor, intensive labor. You know, Hebrews 11 talks about the faith that pleases God. It's, it's an act of faith. That church that was at Thessalonica had, had an effect on the world around them because their faith was active. See, for me, there is no such thing as inactive faith. Faith without works is dead. My friends, a church where works are lacking will be a dead church. And I don't want to see that for anyone, anywhere, any church, especially ours, you know. So my question is, how is your work of faith? Do your works show your faith? Do they show where your faith is placed? What you have faith in? What's the motivation of your, of your works? What's the attitude behind your service? See, see, so if some people it's fear. Some people it's money. And then in some, it's motivated by love. Truth is, when you're motivated by love, you will do most anything, anything for a person. See, we'll put up a lot of stuff from someone we love. My friends, our motivation is love. We labor for the Lord because we love Him and we love people. A person who is lost usually lives life for themselves. A person who belongs to Jesus will live their lives for the benefit of others. <coughs> I'm just curious, how much do you love people? I guess, how much do you love people who are not part of the family of God? 
Do you love them enough to get out of your comfort zone and, uh, you know, you know, to reach out to them beyond the four walls of a building? A majority of the churches in our communities today love each other. They gear their programs to their likes and dislikes without giving much thought of how or what they're going to do to affect the winning of the loss. See, a majority of our churches today focus on their programs, monies, and services all inward. Reaching out to the lost is a labor of love. You really, you really have, you, you have to love Jesus to be willing to risk the frustration of reaching out to the lost, dying world. This love is a strenuous labor, one that will wear you out. See, the love I'm talking about is not an empty emotion. This love is presented as a work. This love is a series of positive behaviors. I, I, mean, I ain't going to get into it now, but if you were to look over at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks all about true love. See, true love is not dependent on the object of love, but on the lover. Look at John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. See, that God showed his love. You cannot command emotion. See, love is commanded. Amen? You realize that, right? Church? So, friends, you do realize the attitude with which you serve is evidence of your salvation. Think about that, too. 1 John three fourteen says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Our love for God and for his people should be evidence for everyone to see. Amen? We should exuberate hope. Life without hope is not life. When times are difficult, when people reject the message that we're pouring our heart into, the only thing we can hold on to is our hope. Hope is confident expectations about the future. You know, I once heard it said that there are no hopeless situations. There are only men who have grown hopeless about them. Our ability to hang tough in times of trouble should be evidence for all to see. This, my friends, is the source of a changed life. Amen. <laughs> the work that we do for Jesus will be motivated by love. We work for Jesus. We reach out to the lost because we love Jesus and others. The last thing we want is to see anyone go to hell because, well, I don't want to see anybody go to hell because I didn't try. The hope we have in Jesus will take us through the bumps in the road where, where, where our hope is placed. We'll never carry out the mission that God has for us unless we have an act of faith motivated by love and hope. Amen. Short and sweet, my friends. That's all I had to say today. Till next time. Bye for now.